starting at the bottom of page 166, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. All came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at homes and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Two weeks ago, I stood here and said that my sermon was based upon two books. However, this week, it is by two authors, David Mathis, executive editor of Desiring for God, and that of the BU, the Baptist Union, and its membership leaflet. David Mathis says, one of the most countercultural things you can do is become an engaged member of a faithful local church. I'll say that again. One of the most countercultural things you can do is become an engaged member of a local faithful church. You see, in our flighty and non-committal age, neither non-Christians nor Christians are naturally inclined to find a place to put down roots and make long-standing objective commitments for the good of others. We want to keep our options open and, above all, preserve our own freedom of choice rather than make a covenant for the long haul and embrace a framework for real life in its ups and downs. But what if we went against the grain and became part of the solution to the modern problem of being so non-committal? What if you joined the rebellion and pledged your loyalty and engagement to a Bible-believing, gospel-cherishing local church? We become members of slimming organizations. We become members of gyms. We become members of sports activities. Why is it that we don't become members of a church? But does the Bible even mention membership? Most of us have raised eyebrows at a certain point on the concept of membership. Membership. Where do we see that in the New Testament? Is it really essential to join a church? Can't I get everything I need as a Christian from being a regular attender? I'll say it again. One of the most counter-cultural things you can do is become an engaged member of a faithful local church. It's true that the New Testament makes no direct argument for our modern concept of membership. 
The gospel's initial advance into a pagan and pre-Christian world was a different situation to what we find today in our increasingly post-Christian society. The complexities of life to millennia later make church being difficult. But it is, um, it is as important as ever. Not only are we less inclined to make firm commitments, but our cities and towns are much bigger and church options more diverse. But whether you call it membership, partnership, or something else, the New Testament assumes some form of committed, accountable belonging as a reality for every true follower of Jesus. Each Christian has a definite place of local belonging. To be baptized is to become part of a particular local body. In the New Testament, John Piper observes, to be excluded from the local church was to be ex excluded from Christ. Now I have six reasons, among many, to go against the non-committal grain, to put down roots, join a particular local church, and be as involved as possible in the life of the church. The first one is for your own assurance. Being accepted into membership in a Bible-believing, responsibly-led church rightly gives affirmation and reinforces confidence that your faith is real. But it's not your own private, self-made religion, but part of the faith that once for all was delivered to the saints. Jesus gives his church the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And according to Matthew 16, verse 19, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. It's no small thing for a solid local church to find your profession of faith to be credible and your lifestyle and conduct not disqualifying and to accept you into membership. There is much more grace to be experienced in this for our assurance than we or most of us know. Secondly, it's for the good of others. This is perhaps the most overlooked reason for joining a church. In our tendency to self-focus, we consider the reasons relating directly to us, but overlook how our membership relates to others. Our belonging somewhere establishes a base from which we can re reliably care for others. There are two sides of church membership, and we can't keep others accountable for their good to a covenant we ourselves haven't taken. True love is not only manifest in affection and action, but also allegiance. We do not fully love our brothers and sisters in Christ if we withhold pledging our allegiance to them by covenanting with them in local church life. Love doesn't say, 
I love these people and don't need to covenant with them. Rather, it says, I love these people enough to covenant with them. Living the Christian life in community is more than just loose associations, but committing to each other to be there for each other when life is hard in sickness and in sorrow. Thirdly, it's for your own good. On the flip side, it is for your own good to have others committed to generally caring for you in Christ. And the people who will care for you will best in the long run those who are committed to it. The people who will care for you best in the long run are those who are willing to commit to it. Joining a church also formally identifies you as part of the flock, which the church's pastor, spiritual leaders, and deacons should shepherd, and to which they should pay careful attention. It is for your own good to be unintentionally thought of and cared for by the leadership. But it is also the good of your leaders. Connected, then, is the clarity it brings the leadership about who is in their lot and who is in their charge. Who, in particular, are they called to serve and shepherd? In other words, you formally joining a church helps the pastor and leadership do their job. How are they to shepherd a flock if they don't know who is in the flock and who is not? It is difficult, if not impossible, to respect and esteem your leaders and honour them and obey and submit to them without identifying yourself to them and submitting to the membership structure that allows them to know and care best for those who are in their charge. I wonder if you thought of this reason. It's for the good of unbelievers. It's good for those who are not quite there yet, who don't know Jesus. Because we reach out and show Christ better as part of a committed, stable community. You know the scripture. By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. A lone ranger Christian doesn't make the best witness for Christ. Rather, someone who is grounded, has a home, and is part of a solid covenant community of support is best prepared to draw others into the kingdom. The complexities of life in the 21st century make belonging to a local church as difficult, as important as ever. Community is increasingly important in our witness today. As Christians who are truly faithful to the service and to the voice of Christ, find themselves more and more the minority sector or society, we need other believers to point to so that we're not alone 
in our seemingly strange views in both in history and today. And the whole community together serves to put Christ on display better than individual Christians can do alone. This happens best not by fly-by-night uncommitted associations, but in deep, committed, long-standing, life-together relationships in this time-tested arrangement called the local church, established and upheld in the wisdom and power of Jesus himself. But finally, on the first part, it is for your own perseverance. Finally, covenanting with others now, not to let you wander from the gospel without pressing hard to bring you back may one day prove priceless for your perseverance in the faith and your eternity with Christ. It is all, after all, as Jesus said, the one who endures to the end will be saved. In a good church covenant, we yoke ourselves to accountability while we're in our right minds. In case somebody sins and sin gets a foothold, in our hearts and binds us from the truth. Church discipline is hard, but so good. The purpose is always restoration. And God often has been pleased to see this difficult means to pour out his striking grace. In James 5, verse 19 and 20, it says, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and brings someone back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. In many ways, the why and how do I join a local church have similar answers. In fact, their benefits would be the same of joining any secular club or organization. But in point one for why church membership, we clearly see it is a God thing. You see, church membership demonstrates that we have understood the importance of the church in the mission of God. The church is described in the Bible as the people of God, the body of Christ, and the temple of the Holy Spirit. Each of these images requires commitment from us as living parts of God's project. When you belong to a people, you take your identity from them. When you're a part of a body, you are organically joined to it. When you're a part, excuse me, part of a temple, you are like a brick or a stone cemented together with others. Church membership demonstrates the reality of our personal commitment as declared in baptism. It shows, therefore, the sincerity of our commitment to Christ and to Christ's people because we're not holding back from people. Church membership follows on from baptism by showing that we have truly entered into a new way of life. Just as the first Christians devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. 
Church membership helps to bring strong churches by making sure that each church is supported by a core of people who are prepared to commit time, energy, finance, and their own spiritual gifts and talents to the building up of the body of Christ. Being a member, therefore, means becoming an active participant in the crucial work of sustaining congregations and passing on the faith to new generations. It also means taking a responsibility in part of the church's government, since church members share in the process of making decisions in Baptist churches. Church membership means that once we have accepted the Christian way of life, we have the support of other Christians in sustaining our discipleship and enduring testing times of illness, bereavement, and crisis when they come to us. It also means that we live out our lives under a degree of pastoral oversight that will enable others to correct and guide us should we stray or deviate from a truly Christian lifestyle. This is what Paul means in Galatians 6, where he says, My friends, if anyone is detected in a transgression, you who have received the Spirit should restore such a person in a spirit of gentleness. Church membership connects us to the other church members in the local Christian community and more widely with other such communities. It is a solid bond that enables us to say that we belong to a movement and to take our place in the universal church. Church membership enables us to challenge the modern tendency to see ourselves as consumers rather than contributors. Being a Christian is not a spectator sport, but requires our personal and dedicated involvement in the things of God and of the church. So how do I enter church membership? Each church has its own individual way of accepting people into a committed church membership. But there tend to be common elements. A person entering into membership is interviewed and a report is made and given to the church members' meeting, which makes a decision to receive or to delay this membership. Once received into church membership by the church members' meeting, this is symbolized by a welcome with the right hand of fellowship in a service of worship, often at a communion service. In some churches, the welcome will be given at the same time or shortly after a person has been baptized as a believer. The reasons for this practice are as follows. Membership is something mutual, a covenant, a covenant involving commitments on both sides. Existing church members are also entering into a covenant to new members and need therefore to receive them intentionally into the community. Membership is based upon a personal commitment to Christ and the public confession of Jesus as Lord. Each person's testimony needs to be heard. 
Churches will want to understand the shape a person's journey has been. And if they were baptized, or if they were coming from a different denomination which practices infant baptism, whether they've been confirmed, and how would they feel about being baptized as a believer? It's very important that every church member should be able with good conscience to uphold a church's understanding and practice of faith. If not, they might be happier in a different church, a different congregation. And so it's important to clarify these things at the beginning so that they do not make regret their decision later. When somebody asks to become a member of a local church, the interview gives a good opportunity to talk about how they might contribute to its life and find out best ways that they could use their gifts and opportunities to serve. Some Baptist churches insist that each person requesting membership is baptized by immersion as a believer before they can become full members of the church. Church membership is a practice which helps to build strong churches and so is good for individuals and good for the church. Putting these arguments aside, Baptist churches must have official members to make decisions, to say, vote for a new pastor, or to ask for an existing one to leave. Only listen to the first one. Each Baptist church is required to pay for the church's upkeep, which could be just as we have done for the replacement of all the wooden windows. Each church has to pay for its pastor and provide a manse as part of their stipend. We do not have a manse, so the church provides Liz and I with manse allowance to pay towards our mortgage. You may be surprised to know we get no financial support from the Baptist Union. In fact, each Baptist church is expected to give a certain figure per member to pay towards the cost of the Baptist Union and the Southern Counties Regional Ministers. As it stands, we have about 46 members with about 100 worshipping here. But can you begin to understand why regular giving is so important and why most church treasurers have grey hairs? Sorry. You see, if you and I do not give, it will be us that suffers. Last week I said to Mike that he would have got some brownie points from our treasurer when he said, in what he said, today it is my turn. If you kindly give via bank transfer, have you had better income coming in since when you first did that? If so, have you increased your giving? You see, we are quick to reduce it when things get tough. If you only give when you attend church, would you consider setting up a standing order in order to help with regular budgeting? 
I've not really meant to end with finances, but it is part of our role, it's part of our commitment, and part of our duty as church members and worshippers to give. So have I answered your questions? Is there any reason now why you cannot be a member of Amesbury Baptist Church? Or has this provoked you into being baptized as a believer? Our baptistry is being filled next Friday. It's actually for another church. But you could sneak in first and let them see your footprints as they enter in later in the day. What a joy that would be. Let heaven and earth rejoice. Amen.